for me, the best work is play. Like it is easy. It just comes to you. It just comes out of you. Um, and I've seen it happen with a lot of other designers as well. Like you're having so much fun. You can't help but make these a really amazing. Welcome to Plan Conversations, the podcast where we delve into the world of design and explore the endless opportunities that await designers and brands. I'm Simon Martin, Head of Content Strategy at Plan Co., and joining me are Jason McKinney and Matt Licagio, Design Directors at Plan Co. Together, we'll be your hosts as we embark on insightful design conversations that inspire and inform. Today, we're joined by Stephanie Kuga, a former comparative rating analyst turned award-winning graphic designer. As a partner and head of brand design at the innovative consultancy Meaningful Works, she applies her big brand learnings to accelerate purposeful startups that change cultures and markets. I first met Stephanie in 2007 at Art Center College of Design and was inspired by her curious and optimistic approach with the goal of making people happy through her work, something she still continues to do. Today, we discuss a range of topics from client relationships to why it's important to bring the concepts of play into your creative process. Well, I guess, Steph, do you want to just jump into some stuff and kind of just give a little bit of your background and kind of what you're currently doing? Sure. Would love to. I guess I'll start at the beginning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So I am currently the uh, partner with Meaningful Works. I lead the brand and design practice for Meaningful Works. Um, Journey to get here is a little windy. I started off studying statistics. So I have a degree in statistics and psychology from Carnegie Mellon. And I started off as a business analyst at Progressive Insurance. And I think about two weeks in, I was like, oh, no, this is not what I want. Like, this is terrible. Um, so I started taking night classes. I took a graphic design class. Second semester senior year is kind of like a throwaway class at Carnegie Mellon. But I ended up loving it. And I was like, oh, no, this is what I want to do. So I kept taking classes while I was working to build up a portfolio and go to art center which was amazing. Um, I met Matt and we had a lot of fun. <laughs> Worked really hard and had a lot of fun. Um, so I graduated from Art Center with another degree in graphic design. Um, right after school, spent a little bit of time at Gensler um, with developing branded spaces and then um, worked at Chase Design Group for a really long time <laughs> after that. Um, and so then really felt like I wanted to see what I could do on my own. Um, And so left Chase with literally zero plan, which I do not recommend to any of the (laughs) designers I work with today. (laughs) Um, Had no plan and uh, got connected to some of the partners here at Meaningful Works. Um, So what really drew me to this place and the opportunity was there's a like two criteria for taking on work. And it's the first one is we really align with the values of that client. Um, We really believe in what they're doing. And so it's very easy for us to fall in love and become obsessed with the work and and it doesn't feel like work. Um, And then the second criteria was, or still is today, that we have a really strong relationship with someone in the executive C-suite. So like a texting relationship with the CMO or the CEO um, so that the work that we're actually doing gets made. Um, I'd say like a lot prior to here, um, a lot of the work that I had worked on was very conceptual. I'd say less than half actually got produced. And so I'd say 100% of what we produce at Meaningful Works goes out into the world, which is super cool. Um, There's five partners and we each represent a different area of expertise. So on branded design, we've got digital products, um, growth marketing, data analytics operations, and then our founding partner has background from PwC business consulting. So really you can kind of mix and match all of us together to solve any sort of challenge our clients might be having. Um, So every day is different, every day. I have best. no idea what to expect. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of. <laughs> yeah, it is <laughs> it's cool how you're talking about like get, being on a texting relationship with your with your clients essentially because I think mm-hmm. like there's kind of like two paths. I guess like there's the working with a marketer from a brand, and I feel like sometimes those are the projects that just 
kind of fall a little bit short sometimes or don't get produced unless you have a really good marketer at a brand then it you know totally goes through because they're talking to somebody at the top it's more like a big brand thing but when you're on a texting relationship with somebody i know especially with what we're doing right now it just makes the process so much faster and like kind of hearing mm-hmm. from that person specifically what they want their brand story to be i always find is really inspiring and super helpful in kind of creating a vision around you know what they're passionate about or what they're excited about with what they're doing. Yeah. And I feel like when you get to that texting relationship with a client, like you're kind of friends also, um, like I'll exchange stupid memes. With like yeah. And it's like, cool. Like I never thought this would be happening, but there's that <laughs> personal relationship that I really value that I think just even makes the work better because you're invested as like humans. Um, in each other. That's really totally. Cool. I really yeah, value like, that. <laughs> it like levels out the ego aspect of it, which is really helpful. And it's, you know, sometimes it's really hard to bring somebody along the journey and along your process. But, you know, when you have them kind of in that kind of relationship you're talking about, it's so easy to the point that, you know, when you're in meetings with them and they're basically presenting back to you what you're presenting to them, and it becomes a really great dialogue. Mm-hmm. Yeah, those are those totally. special moments where our mm-hmm. toolkit <clears throat> allows us to visualize things that they are saying, or we read between the lines and we bring something to life that they don't have the toolkit to do. And those are like the most fulfilling uh, parts of a project. Completely. I've had um, like, because we live in Zoom, Teams, whatever, vi- video world now, um, we'll be presenting on a Google slide and then we'll get feedback from the client. I'll immediately exit out and start drawing shapes in Google Slides, and they're, like, kind of blown away. <laughs> like, oh, it's nice <laughs> Like, this isn't, like, nothing is done done. Like, it's it's always a conversation. So it's it's great to have that level of casualness, like, where you can work shop stuff together. Um, totally. Do you find... They're not used yeah. to. <laughs> Do you find that that process falls apart if you don't hold to, like, pulling together a consolidated deck to present in the first place? Because oh, it's very yeah. easy to get lost to, like, your brain exists on seven different mirror boards at one time, and it's just oh, growing totally. and growing, and nothing is ever, like, resolved. For sure. And I think that's something that, um, because there's so many platforms now that you can use, like Figma or Miro or Google Slides or whatever, and I think each person, each client responds differently. Like I personally get kind of parsic when it's a Figma board and I'm like having to like focus and we're going in and out. I'm like, oh my God, please stop. Um, And so I think each person has a different preferred way um, that we learn and, and try to figure out what's the best way to communicate with them. But totally it has to be like thought out point A to point B in a presentation in order to like hit pause and and make some changes in the moment. Yeah. Yeah, it says a lot to to like not being um, like so protective of the work too. I think like there's like that old model of, okay, you're going to say something as a client and I'm going to go away and all this magic is going to happen and I'm just going to show you like this very finished product. So then it creates this weird feedback loop to where it's like they sometimes get annoyed because they're like, this feels too Mm -hmm. final and this isn't what we asked for. So it's, yeah, the tools are so much better now and, and showing people like you're just willing to tear it apart immediately to kind of help keep the project evolving. Yeah. And I've even seen clients get upset with that traditional way of working because then they feel like they've wasted money if you haven't um, produced what exactly was in their mind. Yeah. Like they they don't feel heard. Yeah. 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 I think thanks to pandemic and having to figure out this way of working that has really helped. Thanks COVID. Helped us here. <laughs> thanks COVID. <laughs> Stephanie, going back to establishing those solid client relationships, how do you define uh, what is a good client you want to, you want to work with, you know, before establishing, you know, these friendships where you share memes and so on and so forth. What, what, what's your process there for that, funnel of of bringing those people in? So I'd say a lot of it is built on prior relationships that we've either had here at Meaningful Works or at other roles. Um, There isn't a lot on the internet about Meaningful Works because we are very word of mouth and that's how we've been able to meet and get new clients. Um, I think the best example is 
we started this agency working with the 99 cent only store. So we had someone in marketing there go to Rayleigh's. So then we started working with Rayleigh's and now she's the CMO at Valley Strong, which is a credit union. So now we work with credit for Valley Strong. So we moved with her <laughs> throughout and, and that kind of is how we've been able because we've built these personal relationships with them, um, it carries over into whatever the next role is. Um, and so really that's how we've been able to continue to grow. Uh, Cause I think the average CMO 10 years, 18 months. And so it's not very long that yeah. they stay in a role. Um, so they move around a lot. And so then we get to learn, work with new teams, new businesses, et cetera. Um, I think, in terms of like, if it's a brand new, brand, brand new client, because um, we have had that like magic phone call before, like, oh, I saw this thing in the world and I was curious, so we tracked you down. We try to evaluate, do we feel like it's a relationship where we're going to be respected and heard and listened to? Like, does this company, does this business, do they have a, a need for us? Like, do they really need our services? Um, and do we feel like they we've done a good enough job showing them we're experts and that we know how to do this, that they will trust us and kind of let us do what we need to do. And that's not always the case. And the, we've learned that that's kind of a terrible place to be and we don't want to be there in that type of relationship. So it's, it's pretty subjective, honestly. And it's a lot of gut feeling uh, when you meet someone new, if it's going to work out, uh, but that's, we, we talk about it and we gauge it. And yeah. I don't know if I have a great answer for you on that, but it's, it's subjective. It's our gut flora telling us yeah. <laughs> what's good or not. Is that, totally is that something moving. you kind of understand that kind of relationship and how, you know, uh, business really runs off of relationships? Is that something you brought from, you know, having a prior degree and going out into the workforce? Um, and then you went to Art Center and kind of held on to that and built relationships there. That's something that I've felt like I'm finally kind of been out of Art Center long enough that my friends are now up at, are, are just jumping into those director levels, not, not quite like VP or any of those things, but it's crazy when that matures and you've held on and fostered those relationships and, you know, continue to have great conversations about design with people who are like-minded, all of a sudden those, those pop and, you know, you're supporting each other and getting called on. Is that something that you kind of knew going into art center, uh, like kind of innately, or you just kind of, okay. <laughs> I had no idea. And I will say like something that was pretty formative for me at Art Center was doing the INSEAD business school exchange. So it was led out of the product design department and they picked 10 students, I believe it was once a year. Um, and they would send these 10 students to either Singapore or Fontainebleau, which is right outside of Paris to spend six months at INSEAD business school. Um, and so what we were there to do was help teach a, essentially a product design course for the business students. So it was like me and like three business students trying to develop a product and a business plan. Um, so we were there to help provide different types of thinking. And then um, in turn, we got to take a lot of courses there as well. And so that was like the very first product design class. There was like a prompt to the entire class, like, how many ways can you get this ball from point A to point B? And there were like all of these, there was a scenario. And I think I came up with 17 and business students came up with one or two. And I was like, okay, <laughs> this is interesting. Like we have very different ways of thinking about the world and they rationalize it to the best, most optimal idea and that's what they share where I think designers were like all of the blue sky what if and so like that moment for me was like oh like we are in the same space talking about the same things but the backgrounds that we have and that have brought us together are so different and we see the world so differently so that's something that I try to like bring to work here every day um I know that like feedback is designers can be annoying. Sometimes you don't understand it. And so I try really hard to, to work with our teams here and with the clients so that it's super clear what objectives are and always kind of bring that business lens to it. Um, I don't know if I even answered your question at this point. No, you did. It was cool. <laughs> yeah. No, it's cool to hear your journey too. Cause, um, 
it's just thinking back to like when we went to school together at Art Center and the things that I saw you focusing on then and the, like interning at Smart Design and doing the NCAD thing and kind of seeing the journey after school, it seems uh, you've kind of come back to a place to where you've taken a lot of that learning and expertise and brought it into somewhere where now you're helping uh, individuals build brands, especially in the food space. Mm -hmm. So has that had like a big impact in kind of transitioning or like, you know, or like, how are you, how are you working with those brands now? For sure. Um, we work with a lot of startup brands. So I do feel like I get to flex the left and right brain a lot every day <laughs> here. Um, so we are working with a lot of startup brands, We're working with a lot of early stage brands. Um, and so I'd say my era at Chase Design Group was spent working with the PNGs and the PepsiCo's and the Nestle's of the world. Very different than a startup. Um, so what I'm able to do now is take what I've learned from those experiences, bring them to these startups and, and start to fill out some of the approaches to marketing and design and brand here. Um, so we are a traditional studio in terms of like marketing and branding, advertising services, but we've just started another arm of the studio. We're about to have multiple arms um, called MW Advisory. So what we found is like, we really wanted to work with these startup brands, with these really interesting brands that have such a strong purpose, but they didn't necessarily have the budgets to do so. Um, so we started our advisory service where we are able to work with them on an advisor level in exchange for some equity in their company and start to network them to the people that we know, connect them to some of the executives that we know and we've worked with as well to kind of help them build up their business and, and grow as much as they can. So I'd say, I think we have eight, eight or nine different brands in this program right now, which is really fun because when you get to work with founders who are just so passionate and like care a lot, maybe sometimes too much, but they care a lot about what they're doing. And I think it gives our team here a chance to have exposure to so many different things. Like they're not always on one thing. Um, and again, every day is super different here, which I really love. We'd like to take a moment to remind you that Play In Conversations is brought to you by Play & Co. If you want to explore more about design opportunities, discover new insights, or connect with Play & Co. for a design project, be sure to visit playandco.com. I, it kind of plays into that thing where there's a lot of designers and even agencies themselves becoming more entrepreneurial and kind of like developing mm -hmm. their own products. Like I think going back a few years, like Smart Design had OXO. Um, I forgot uh, whatever the, some of the other ones. They're escaping me. But there's like Stephen Smith had Smith T. Um, his I don't remember the name of his agency. So it's like kind of an interesting this thing to see agencies start to do that. It's basically like taking all the learnings they have from getting into these businesses, learning how supply chains work and how to effectively, you know, really build a brand and product at the same time. And um, yeah, I just wanted to see like what are, what are some of the things that that you all are working on that are kind of like pushing into that space. Totally. Um, so I'd say like five and a half years ago, we started, oh my gosh, five and a half, four and a half years ago, we started working with NYX, which is a Swedish better for you brand. And when they came to us, it was literally Nick and the CEO in the US and that was it. They wanted to launch in the US, period. <laughs> they had nothing else. So we really learned a lot about building up a brand supply chain operations, logistics, we set up their online business for them. So fulfillment through PL, like we had 30% ice cream delivery failure the first time we did it, which is terrible, very high rate of failure. Um, so we've learned so much from being scrappy um, and we've learned so much helping a lot of these other startup brands that it, it has cost me like what can we do this ourselves? And so we gave it a shot. Um, I don't know if any of you have been to Expo West. It's like the biggest natural food trade show in the US. It's huge. Like, I think I walk like 30,000 steps in a day. Like I can't even feel my feet. <laughs> after. It's like so massive. Um, 
but a lot of the brands that we work with today in our advisory program, we met at Expo West and we just like have so many conversations and we're able to see where trends are going and where other brands are at and how they're doing it and the challenges they're having. And so just by like having these sheer amount of conversations where we're like, I think we can do this. Um, and so we did, <laughs> we, uh, we saw an opportunity in the energy powder market, uh, like a liquid IV, but specifically more for energy, that a lot of the products that were at the market were focused either towards performance. So like, hey, take this before you work out. It'll like help you whatever, not die during the workout. And so it was very masculine or performance driven. And anything that was marketed for women felt super soft. Um, it had like waves on it or like cute colors or type. And so we were like, hey, there's nothing in the market right now that's for someone like us. And it was like me, Savannah McNally, um, Summer Woodward and Dana Teal are all leaders in the um, Municipal Works office. We're like, I think this could be a thing. Um, and so Carlos, who uh, is was the CEO of Next, who we're like good friends with now, helped us kind of figure out how to source this thing. So we branded it sourced it, manufactured it. We launched it a couple of weeks ago on Amazon as a test just to see like, can we make this thing sell? So we've got our growth marketing team working on it now um, just because we think we can. I don't know. Super Maybe we cool. can. That's but crazy. Interesting to see it and do it for yourself, which yeah. I think has been really, really exciting. Yeah. Stephanie, you, you definitely have a, a a marketer hat on, despite coming from a design background. Let what let's back up a little bit. Mm -hmm. Like when you when you think about uh, whether it's working for an established entity or a startup, can you walk us through your design process a little bit? Like how do you like do you start with like some mood board? Uh, like like how do, how do you how do you work? through the motions of developing these identities or these, whatever it is that, that is the task at hand. Sure. So the way that I think about brand and design is that there's two things. There's things you can control and there's things you can't control. So in the things you can control when you're working with a client, it's things like what's your vision and like what is your actual product and how does your product benefit someone else. So these are things that we can control. And there's things you can't control, which are like trends, what are your competitors doing? What are the customers doing, etc. So there's kind of these two buckets. So we always start with research um, before anything else. And it's pretty, pretty in depth, uh, competitive landscape, trend research, customer research, whether it's formal or informal, qualitative or quantitative, we want to get an idea of what, how people are reacting to this product. Um, and then from there is where we start to look for opportunities and insights. So really the research plus what's the actual DNA of this brand kind of merge it together and start to write stories and territories um, on what we think this brand or design can be. Um, and what we found with startups and why we love working with them so much and working with founders is often the personality or the DNA of the founder is the DNA of the brand and the design. And so we really want to get to know this person and pull through as much of it as we can. And at the same time, take all of that external research and marry it together to find some interesting opportunities. So once we've got all of our research done, we've, we've got it to a couple concept territories. That's where we'll start writing and pulling mood boards together because we, I had always had an, a, a feeling like even at Art Center that like writing was really important and communication is really important, but I don't think it, I fully realized it until I arrived here um, and how powerful writing a brand anthem or how powerful even a simple sentence can be in clarifying what a brand is. So I really encourage everybody to, to keep writing, um, whether working on your writing skills. Um, and so that's where we, we put the two together to kind of have this territory and then we design after that. So I like to tell the designers or if we're like interviewing designers here, like design for us is like 30% of the process. Like there's a lot 
in the setup and you design the thing, but then there's a lot of work that comes after you design the thing in making sure you're preserving that design when it goes into the market. Um, and then even beyond that, how does it continue to live? Are there adaptation guidelines? Are we making digital marketing assets? Are we making ad campaigns out of it afterwards? So design is like a very small part of the entire process, but like it is, it is crucial and it sets the pace and the tone for a company for like yeah. so many years in the future. Yeah, totally. That's the process. There's a, like the writing part of it is something that in recent years I've real, I've, I've come to that realization too. It's like such a big thing, especially with startups because you're shaping the mission and belief, uh, kind of like what their brand vision is and all that kind of stuff, all those big, big buzzword statements. Uh, but they have a huge impact and and doing all that front end research, it actually makes the design part a lot easier because you're not working in following like, you know, what a trend is or just kind of like just driving in, in this sense of ambiguity. You have like a specific purpose and a story you want to tell. Mm -hmm. So it makes that process a lot easier and it makes it something that feels more true and authentic. You know, like the, the best case scenario is that um, people that are working for the brand and typically startups are hire more passionate people that really invest in it. It's they're basically the ones kind of like taking that message and, and really, you know, using mm -hmm. that as the way that they're moving forward with the work that they're doing. And again, like, you know, repeating that stuff back to you as you're going through the process as well. Yeah. It's, it's funny that you say okay. like design's a small part of the process because in my <laughs> mind it, it's almost like design's a lot deeper than you think because I, I think this is what true, uh, true. we yeah. specifically <laughs> at our team do so much front-end work is like scoping for mm -hmm. success it's like if you can design the circumstance and know enough and do all that research and design the circumstance it'll go well as long as mm -hmm. you know the relationship for is set sure, up that sure. people get the space to accomplish and measure against what that's you you scoped and agreed yeah. on i like thinking yeah. about it that way a lot better yeah makes us <laughs> well, more it, important everything's designed we're designing <laughs> schedules we're designing yes. blah 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 blah. you know like yeah, yeah. i guess it's like yeah. a better way to put it you know because you're even technically designing your research not that you're um trying to drive people towards a conclusion that's not authentic, but it's, you know, the, the method of how you're, you know, going about talking to people and then putting all that information together. So yeah. design writing yeah. research. Remember that book from yeah. uh, back in the day? <laughs> there you go. I do remember that book. Um, but yeah, writing is so hard. Like yeah. props to yeah. copywriters and just writers, like, there's a sense of vulnerability that I feel like I, I know that I'm not the best writer, but I'll still try. And I'm like, I look at it I'm like, this is not good. Like, I know this isn't good and I don't know how to make it better. And they're experts. So. But then, yeah, when you're on the design it, side, you like, you know, you know what you're doing and you go in yeah. confident and they <laughs> feel the confidence, but you leave the door open with writing. I think yeah. always as For a designer. Sure. For sure. Yeah. I've like seen writers just completely change the way a project's going and like really yeah. value what they oh, bring. Definitely. Cause like, I think we can bring the visuals and like, yeah, totally what you just said, I, like feel really confident in it. Um, but I've just seen writing just kind of rocket ship something to success, yeah. which is awesome. And it drives yeah, the visual think... a lot too. Like if there, if there's a strong visual that comes out of that writing or like, you know, that there, that's always like a huge help. Cause it kind of mm -hmm. like cool. gives, I wouldn't say parameters, I don't, for, but parameters for lack of better words, like, you know, to, to work towards. Do, do you think that's a, uh, just a theoretical question. Do you think that's a chicken and egg, uh, dilemma? Like, like should the visuals come first or the, or the writing come first, or is it something that happens in parallel? And for example, for, for the listeners, you know, like we're working on a, on a strong brand identity project. And, and and a lot of what the art director is creating is sort of creating what the words might be, whereas uh, Matt, in your case, as the art director, would the words help frame what the visuals look like? Do you what do you where where is the line there, or do you think it's just something that has to happen in parallel harmoniously? I'm an advocate for parallel, and they have to talk to each other because I. I can think of cases here where words have led the process 
And I can think of cases where design or the visuals have led the process um, and they've turned out great. Um, but the ones that like really strike an emotional chord for me are ones where they have, there was a dialogue between the two to like really make sure that the end product is the best that it can be. Um, I don't know if there is a right way to do it from my observation. It's <laughs> kind of a conversation between the two. Yeah. Yeah. Like process kind of flexes a lot because I think it, it just, it also depends on what your client values. You know, if your mm -hmm. client thinks like, why well, am I going to pay you to make a bunch of words? You know, like some, some people are like that and they just want to see the pretty pictures. Yeah. I, I mean, right now what we're doing is I think I, I'm trying to, I'm trying to say things carefully so I don't give away too much of the project. <laughs> NDAs. Um, yeah. Sign that NDA. Yes. <laughs> No, I mean, we, we've just been doing a lot of work to where we've been kind of developing some of the visual language and some of the the words at the same time. And it's been it's been really helpful. I would prefer to get more of a more of the writing down for, for yeah. one of the projects we're working on right now. But it's definitely like <laughs> we have it on the right path to where people are already starting to, like, you know, take what we're doing and then put it into their actual um, engineering and development. Yeah, there's one kind of memory of a project we worked on last year where the CEO was in here and the brand is called Donut Bowls. It's out in the market now. We didn't have a name. We didn't have a brand. It was the very beginning and it's a better for you mini donut. So it's like a hostess, but made with all natural ingredients, like less sugar, less calories, whatever. Um, and so he meant to say <laughs> it's a hundred percent natural, but what came out of his mouth was it's a hundred percent donut. And we were like, okay. <laughs> yeah, <I love> <laughs> like, so that was like, we we're like, yes, it is a hundred percent donut. And like that, just one little phrase that picked up on his like DNA or whatever, his excitement, like really led us through to where the brand is. So ended up calling it donut holes. There's like a key image of like a woman holding donuts over her eyes. Nice. It's like That's just cool. super playful. Um, I love that and it, like, then, it removes the logic of like, questioning whether it's going to be up to the standard of a donut it's a donut yeah like yeah. it, I think we it just happens to be yeah. donut on the package yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it's just like being observant and like just kind yeah. of picking up like inspiration and like it can come from anywhere and so like once you find that thing like the visuals just kind of made themselves the brand anthem and the writing yeah. just made themselves like there's just such a clear like moment i think for us when the brand just happens um sometimes it takes a little like it's a bit more of a journey to get there but like i don't know it, that that just is a moment of really bringing in like the client and who they are and the product and what they're doing and then it just perfectly matches with what we were saying as an opportunity in the market that yeah. it was very fast after that we all need our 100 donut moment <laughs> yeah we do <laughs> yes <laughs> <laughs> Um, I just wanted to touch on that. Um, kind of getting back to that new advisory kind of capacity or that division you've created. Um, I'm just thinking back, like in my career, what's been cool is like through that intern stage as an art center student, it's like you really you learn something, you go practice in the real world, and then you go take that to the next project, and that goes and lands you hopefully the next internship. And you try to do three and then get out and get a real job. Um, I think Matt, you can probably attest to this too, of like sitting in a you know big brand, it's hard to find that freshness and what's been like really you know fulfilling. And I think also just in the general kind of design agency kind of market now is there's a lot of these cool smaller conversations where you're jumping from brand to brand and product to product and getting to like bring along that freshness have you i know you, you said you just kind of created this new division but have you found that like freshness and taking those bits and pieces of the that type of story the 100 donut and applying those <laughs> to each new one in a quicker succession is that has that totally, helped totally yeah yeah and i think it's what is it you do something i'm gonna butcher this fact whatever it's like 10,000 hours to become an expert, but you do it so many times, you get better every time. And so that's kind yeah. of, it, it yeah. definitely gets faster every time. I mean, every, every situation is unique. Um, and so it's not an exact lift and shift of whatever was done before. There's always, you got to think about it. But um, yeah, definitely. I think yeah. that 
is what gives us a little bit of a competitive edge also is that we've done so many cycles in this space um, with success that, yeah, it's yeah. kind of, we want to do more. <laughs> yeah, as a product designer, or transportation designer, uh, my background, uh, it's like, it's been interesting with the shift towards like, you know, Pinterest and Instagram, the pace of like, even, you know, like Canoe and some of these brands that put out cool content and a new concept faster and faster and faster. We're always trying to find the freshest thing to incorporate and jump ahead of and create some space to, you know, bring some elements together. And I feel like the only true way to really create new fresh stuff lately is just to be able to like, downsize maybe the to overall scope of a relationship and do more of them to be influenced mm. and be in real conversations to have more like actual true creative thought and, and fresh action to kind of drive the next one and the next one and the next one you know that's i don't know if the, anybody else feels that way but that's kind of how i've felt in the last few years since COVID, especially well you 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 bring up a good point, Jason. Stephanie, where do you find freshness? Like, where where do you find your inspiration for any of these projects you're working on? Totally. I think that's a great question. That was something that when we went into this year, 2023, I put some attention on that for the team. So I totally agree with pandemic. We look at our phones. We live in this little world of our phones um, with content that they think we want to see uh no one was going out no one was going to shows no one was going to museums you're like stuck in this limited view of the world um and so my challenge to the team this year was like how do we get how do we go out into the world how do we start to consume different types of media how do we start to look at new things and learn new things that maybe consciously or subconsciously influences our work um so I challenged the team to do Kecha Kuchas once a month. Um, we pick a topic out of the bowl. <laughs> it ranged from Fashion Week to uh, Wes Anderson to NFTs, which yeah. kind of died by the time we picked NFTs. So I just brought <laughs> it to different art. Um, <laughs> um, but I think like there was a little bit of structure that helped us learn different things, but at the same time also helped with presentation skills. So it was kind of a twofer, which was yeah. awesome. Cool. Um, I think it is kind of filtering its way into the work, um, but I do think that in terms of like the inspiration, a lot of it comes from talking and conversations and really getting to know either the client or a consumer could even spark, say something that like you really latch onto and it just kind of balloons into something else completely. Um, lately, I would say it's definitely the conversations that have sparked a lot of the interesting thinking. Um, we are in studio five days a week, so we're talking to, our, to each other a lot cool. now, um, which is really cool. And we have client workshops come in um, and it's just been really nice to have that human connection. Like, I, I think, when pandemic started and and we lived in zoom my thinking was like oh this is cool because now we've got 10 people in a meeting and we can see each other and everybody's equal but i think you also miss out on some of that body language and nuance of actually being in person too so i see like like pros and cons of all of it but we are back in office five days a week and I think it does accelerate the work and especially with clients because we work in a beautiful building. It's like yeah. really nice to be here. Yeah. Um, have Makes you take it seriously, and, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, be, you know, it's, it's hard, um, but we see a lot of value in it. Cool. Yeah, we've been doing, Jason and I have done some, a lot of in-person work recently. It's funny because we all work remote because um, uh, Brendan and Karen, who are the founders of Play & Co, are based in Melbourne. But uh, we've done some in-person stuff recently to where we've met with clients and done workshops. And man, it's crazy how quickly those spiral, not into not being, the yeah. spiral in time, just being yeah. like, we're like, cool, we have like a, like a two-hour workshop and it ends up being a five-hour workshop, but it goes in a three-hour dinner. <laughs> yeah, in a three-hour, no, five-hour, it was a five-hour dinner that day. Yeah, it was. 
Um, but it's crazy because it, it, the time goes by so fast because we're finding that we're getting a lot done in those meetings because in person, everybody's so engaged. Because I think, mm-hmm. like, you know, everybody gets like uh, video call fatigue. And it's definitely there's a lot of value in kind of being in person and reading the body language, too. Like, that's a big thing. You know, it's like mm-hmm. how many times even on this call have we accidentally talked over each other because it's like we're focusing on one person. This person's trying to, you know, it's just kind of like, uh, yeah, it's just it's kind of nice to, to start to have that dynamic of, you know, doing remote stuff, but then also doing a lot more in-person stuff when it matters. Yeah. yeah, I'm not sure if you've had this conversation on this podcast yet, but like how does creativity and play get fostered in this virtual space? I mean, I know a lot of studios and agencies are still very much remote and I'm just like, oh. no, That's a super <laughs> good question. It's gotta be like yeah. a balance of it um, because we find so much value in being together. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know yeah. we we have I think some. I mean, I th- it's a little bit to maybe the playing co playing co culture is like the personalities that work here love their like offline like exploration work output time, but we also love that time to come back and present a well you know built thought and you know set of assets to then have real design dialogue. And I think it's always about trying to find the balance of that. But then when you bring in, you know, additional clients or, you know, we've kind of added scope to one of our recent ones and, you know, it is, you know, we're building and we're growing and it's hard to find that time and also respect that time so that there's not that churn of like trying to constantly move it like a small step forward and instead of having, you know, the offline time to really create. But there's also, yeah, those in those in-person moments really like the body language and like physically and mentally aligning really takes things further so that when you are offline, you're both processing on the same wavelength, which mm-hmm. really goes a long way. Yeah, I think it's a personality type too, is being somebody that can like jump from being, you know, creative and playful in this space, you know, on a video call and then doing that into the workplace as well. I think mm-hmm. uh, like, I don't know. I mean, just Jason and I and Tyler and everybody that works for us, like we just stoke each other out all the time to put in the most <laughs> dude terms possible. Yeah. <laughs> and it's just really cool because we all do very different things. And it's really amazing when we see like, you know, we have a branding idea. Like, you know, I do like a really weird kind of mock up. And then an hour later, you know, Jason comes back and it's like fully realized on a product looking like photo real and awesome. the products is designed in a certain way and everything. It just like it accelerates it really quick. And it just kind of like, is this like doing this and sending to him and then getting it back and kind of having that push and pull is really fun. Yeah. And we're both just way too into it. Like there's just (laughs) like texting back and forth for like 45. Yeah. (laughs) It's like we we're on video calls all day. And then it's like, you know, later that night, it's like a subject, like we were talking about Dieter Rams last night. And that was like a texting conversation that went on for 30 minutes, you know, or even Stephanie, you and I, the other day, when we were talking about like <laughs> inspiration and all that kind of stuff. And it's like, we you just go down these rabbit holes and I, yeah, you just, mm-hmm. I don't know, just being into it too is really helpful. Like if, if you're looking at this, it's just being kind of like, you know, you're here just to, to finish the thing and make the little post for somebody and that's it. That's how your view of design is. And then, yeah, this, this, is going to be very transactional. Yeah, totally, totally. And like you, we could be in person and that could be the case too. Like it doesn't necessarily, because we're face to face doesn't mean you're going to be obsessed with it yeah. <laughs> all day, every yeah. day. Cause that's exhausting too. Um, but yeah, I, I, it's play and creativity has been top of mind for me lately and is, a goal or something I want to put intention to like we did for bringing up like it, where do we find inspiration for 23 for 24 play has was actually the worst that we came up with before before Matt even reached out which is yeah. really interesting <laughs> um how do you keep that sentiment in the work and in the process when there's deadlines and pressure and feedback and yeah we we um brendan and karen are awesome uh and that they like so i was the the first full-time employee added and 
I'm nuts. So I'm constantly like stewing up new like business ideas or, you know, concept projects. So they've let me, um, well, they've kind of funded additional like contractors to support concept projects. And those concept projects, once they've gone live, have brought in business. And it also helps us kind of align on where we see like a future market, like the EV toll space. We did a big concept project on that. Um, and that has brought in like real client work that is already now out in the world and it continues to live. And if we've done our concept um, kind of scoping right, that project lives and lives and lives and end up, ends up getting mm-hmm. proven right, whether it was for a client or not. Uh, I think like those are really fun ways that we have found like a um, a way to like amortize those costs uh, within the business because they they end up like they end up serving us, which is really cool. So we've done a couple of those. One of them is kind of uh, being shopped around behind closed doors right now, but we might have to do like a Kickstarter for it at some point now that we have we have Matt internal who can crush it yeah. with the art direction. Yeah, I think that like just overall, like one of the shortcomings, I guess, of our industry is that you know, we, we say these things like we want people to play and, and to explore, but when it comes down to it, uh, people that are, you know, leading those, like they really don't want you to play. They want you to fo- be really focused and just do the task at hand. And I think that's where you just get people burning out. I think brands are the most susceptible to this. Uh, brands are the most susceptible to this because, you know, when you they hire you, they hire you for a very specific thing. And then you get stuck mm-hmm. into that sp- specific thing, whether it's like, you're just a motion designer or you're just a brand designer or you're just, you know, a digital designer. It really kind of like, that's where the sense of play kind of stops because you're not really being challenged to think about, you know, a brand as being in movement or like all the different ways you need to think of how a brand comes to life. And if you're not able to illustrate that or not given the time to do that, you know, you get a very one dimensional experience. I think like the tools are so easy now. I think when we went to art center, it was like the program was kind of like that. Like everybody would pick their track they would go on. And, um, I always thought like, uh, well, I didn't think this actually, it was, um, I I think it was you and and then Vanessa were telling me that that you, you both were just doing everything. And I remember asking why, and it's just like, why not? You know, we're, you know, I was like shocked and I found out, um, one of you was doing like motion too. And I was just like, but we already did motion design. Aren't you going to go into this and this and this it's, but it's just kind of like, yeah, like keeping that sense of, you know, curiosity, I guess, too. Mm -hmm. I took motion too. And that was when I decided I no longer wanted to do much. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Not for me. Um, Yeah. I, I, I think it's super interesting to think about the idea of play because for me, the best work is play. Like it is easy. It just comes to you. It just comes out of you. Um, and I've seen it happen with a lot of other designers as well. Like you're having so much fun. You can't help but make these really amazing things. Um, but that's not always the case. And so I don't, I don't know if there is a, I think I was talking to you, Matt, about this, like, can you even formalize play? Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, yeah. Yes, Jason. <laughs> we, I've, I've wanted to have this discussion within our own team um, as we kind of like work to evolve our brand because I played a lot of organized like team sports growing up and I've always felt like, you know, a design studio that's like operating at its fullest is like, you know, in a lot of ways, like a like a baseball team where there's individual positions you're held at, but you need people who are willing to like step out, play different positions as things get crazy, but know their role and what the overall kind of goal is. So when I think about play, like, you know, the, the, you know, the stories that we really remember, you know, like Michael Jordan, these massive, um, you know, achievements, but those are adults playing a sport that is like an organized set of rules where we can actually measure that. And I've always loved kind of that analogy when you think about design work, like if we understand the scope we're working in and we can have, we can have the space to explore that to its fullest, you don't always have to go the way the game has always been played. You might find another way to, in that same set of constraints to get to something mm-hmm. that can be measured as, as an achievement. And I think, you know, design is uh, like one of the most important or if not the most important driver of like business needs and having, you know, design led organization, you know, pays off. So I think like that, that space for play is the thing that like to, to Matt's point, you know, it, it usually stops when you get stuck in your role. Mm-hmm. And the ones that grow out of those roles are the ones who usually try to 
approach thing holistic, things holistically and you know are just kind of acting like an art center student the rest of their life you know you, why not do every part of it and understand i think you learn the space that's needed on things like mo motion graphics that you don't want to do in the rest of your career but you know the space and maybe that additional amount of play needed for somebody to achieve something great within the scope of a project so stephanie how are you applying that play in your current work now and and what 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 kind of stuff can we expect to see from you in the next year three five years based off of your philosophy and everything else you've been telling us about um i think it was a packaging three class with gerardo where legend you know, gerardo. legend <laughs> legendary gerardo herrera um <laughs> he had us fill out some sort of form and it was like what kind of design you want to do or whatever and i filled in like i don't know if it was meant to be like packaging or brand i filled in <laughs> I want to make design that makes people happy. And like, I probably totally missed the mark on what we were supposed to be doing with that. But that's always kind of been what I've wanted to do. Like, and I think hopefully that's what I continue to do over the next one, three or five years. Um, but really answer this personally and then what I see for design in my purview, but I'm moving more and more into, I think a business and leadership role. So for me, it's less hands-on design and teaching. I love teaching someday, would love to teach at Art Center. But I, I see my role now more is teaching the art directors and the designers here, the designers, the interns about my process and how I kind of see the world and think about the world and encourage them to do so in their own ways. So for me, success is now not, did, my, did they pick my design? And for a while it hasn't been that, but it's been um, seeing the success of the designers, seeing a junior designer become a designer, a senior designer, associate designer. Like that makes me really proud and happy. Um, as for me personally and what I'm doing. If you want to continue the conversation, share your thoughts or suggest topics for future episodes, be sure to connect with us on social media. You can find us on Instagram and LinkedIn at PlanCo or visit planco.com. We hope you've enjoyed today's episode and until next time, keep playing, keep designing and keep pushing the boundaries of what's next. This is Play in Conversations signing off.